1: So I came outside, and then I heard the three or four gunshots that went off. Shots fired in a bustling Vancouver neighborhood. The province's police watchdog now investigating an officer-involved shooting that landed a civilian in hospital. Plus... Something has to be done. No access to emergency care. A staggering number of hospital closures right across the province, leaving patients in life-threatening limbo and...
2: I don't think we have any of that certainty that we need.
1: The Olympic bid polarizing politicians and taxpayers. The report by Vancouver City staff set to go to council and the unanswered questions it poses.
3: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for being with us. We begin with that dramatic scene in a bustling East Vancouver neighborhood when gunfire rang out at the height of a Saturday night. The province's police watchdog has now been called in after the attempted arrest of a break-and-enter suspect culminated with that suspect in hospital and a police dog injured. As Julia Foy explains, the central question here is who fired the shots?
4: Oh, it was was pretty scary, honestly. Vancouver police spent the morning trying to find the owners of several smashed vehicles that were parked along 2nd Avenue near Commercial Drive. It's all part of a dramatic police chase Saturday night around 8.45. The cars came flying up here, and I'd say about, like, 10 seconds later, it was a lot of, like, smashing. I guess that was the cars getting hit. And then I came out and just started walking down my stairs, and then the gunshots went off, so... Oh my God. Yeah. This witness video that's now part of a police investigation shows several officers surrounding a white van with guns drawn.
0: Uh, there was a van sort of like crashed over there, and then I don't know, six or seven police cars and probably ten cops, and uh, there was a, a dog that was shot, and then there was another dog in the van.
4: Witnesses say a police dog entered the van, and then they heard three to four shots but he was not clear if they happened inside the van or came from a VPD gunshot. The suspect did suffer gunshot wounds and was taken to hospital, where he remains in serious condition. The Independent Investigations Office has been called in. Vancouver police said on Sunday the suspect was seriously injured as a result of the interaction with police and the IIO will determine who fired the shots. We've disclosed that the suspect had a gun and you'd be accurate to report that VPD also fired shots or that witnesses reported VPD firing shots. The IIO will need to investigate how the incident transpired from a break-and-enter call near Gore and Railway into a brief shootout near a busy commercial drive neighbourhood.
5: We won't be in a position to speak to that with any um, affinity until we've
6: had an opportunity to obviously uh, meet with the individual, look at whatever medical records they are, um, examine firearms, uh, etc. So there's a a fair amount of work to do yet.
4: For now, residents are relieved there were no other injuries, but the car repairs are stacking up. Julia Foy, Global News. In
1: Maple Ridge, two people were killed in a crash that shut down a stretch of Lowheat Highway. RCMP say two vehicles collided sometime just before midnight between 2.72nd and 2.80th. Two people in one vehicle died. Another person in the other vehicle was airlifted to hospital with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. The crash scene was extensive and widespread. The cause of that crash is now under investigation. A North Vancouver man charged in a fatal crash that claimed the life of a toddler last summer is due in court this week. 30-year-old Syed Zeta is scheduled for an arraignment hearing in Vancouver Provincial Court on Thursday. He is accused of dangerous driving causing death and dangerous driving causing bodily harm in the collision at Smythe and Hornby Streets in July of 2021. Police say a black Ford Escape collided with a black McLaren. The Ford Escape mounted the sidewalk, striking Michael Haiva who was carrying his 23-month-old daughter, Ocean. She died, and her father suffered life-altering injuries. After a year-long investigation, Zeta, who has a lengthy criminal record, was charged with two criminal offenses. What is happening to this province's already embattled public health care system? That's the question too many British Columbians have been left asking this weekend, as an alarming number of emergency departments province-wide are dealing with diversions. At least five smaller communities saw their emergency rooms completely closed for parts of the weekend. That includes Clearwater, Oliver, Port Hardy, and Port McNeil on Vancouver Island. And add to that list... Ashcroft, where the mayor found out on Friday that her village would not have emergency service all weekend. There was also the added challenge of being without an ambulance, so nobody could respond this afternoon to a life-threatening medical emergency.
7: It goes way, way beyond frustrating. It It is something that is increasingly making people such as myself angry that we have these facilities in the small communities purportedly to serve these small communities so that we don't have to go to Kamloops. Uh, And then when they are needed, uh, either they are closed as in the case of a hospital or because of shortages in ambulance staffing, we have no ambulance available. It has to come from elsewhere.
5: Almost 12 hours to even get a bed. 12 hours, right? And, And it was a terrible scene. Terrible thing.
7: Gallstone sent Nirav Vora to an Ontario hospital in an ambulance three weeks ago. He stayed there for five days until he could get his gallbladder out.
5: A Lack of internal medicine doctors, oh my God, it was
8: terrible. it's not priority.
7: He knows he's not alone. A critical staffing shortage is fueling emergency room wait times and even closures across the country. After a man died waiting in a Fredericton ER, New Brunswick's premier shuffled out his health minister, fired a Health Network CEO, and cleared out two boards.
3: This is simply unacceptable and just the latest example of the crisis we're facing in our health care system. In rural communities are
8: left uh, not getting the Canadian dream of of equal access to emergency care 24-7 basis. And so there's something really morally wrong uh, with what's happening.
7: Emergency room physician Dr. Alan Drummond wishes Ontario leadership would be more vocal like New Brunswick. His Perth Hospital's ER is closed for three weeks.
2: We have
8: cottagers and tourists and music festivals and uh, uh, that kind of thing. And so traditionally, this is our busy time. And so this is the absolute wrong time uh, for rural hospitals to be closed, and including my own
7: one of several unique challenges for rural ERs, with a growing number forced to close nationwide. Yesterday we had a temporary service reduction, which goes from 3 p.m. to 7 a.m. our hospital, and everybody gets diverted to Port Hardy for emergencies. I got an email this morning that said Port Hardy is now closed from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. So um, that's concerning to me. A few weeks
1: ago when we started talking about the healthcare system collapsing, this is what we meant. Real, tangible situations where Canadians aren't getting care.
7: While the premiers push the feds for more health care dollars, the Canadian Medical Association says it's no help debating who is responsible for what, but time to come up with solutions. We're working on a tightrope here, and, and I think it's starting to fail in many places. And no question, staff shortages is not a quick problem to solve. Dr. Smart says we should focus on retention for the workers still on the job, facing a series of challenges. Abigail Beaman, Global News,
1: Ottawa. And speaking of staff shortages, once again this weekend, anyone traveling by water may find themselves left in the lurch tonight. BC Ferries has canceled several major sailings to and from Salt Spring Island this evening because of a lack of staffing. Four round trips have been canceled on the Skeena Queen beginning this afternoon and stretching into the rest of the evening. BC Ferries says there are not enough crew members to safely operate the vessel, but a water taxi has been sourced for travelers urgently requiring transportation. To a weekend tragedy in Kelowna now, where one man has drowned after attempting to aid another struggling swimmer. It happened at around 7.30 last night on Wood Lake in Lake Country. RCMP say it appears the man drowned while trying to help another man in the water. Both of those men were spotted by passing boaters in distress. Only one of them was able to be saved when they were tossed a life jacket. The coroner is now investigating this case. Cautious optimism continues near Lytton tonight as the Nahaman Creek wildfire has shown slow signs of growth if any, this weekend. Crews are still working to establish a water delivery system on the south flank, while others are working to secure a portion of the fire's edge so that it does not advance into the south side of the Steen Valley. That effort is complicated by hot spots and the need to mop up around properties along the Fraser. Cooler temperatures this weekend and additional moisture in the air have aided the firefight, but drier and hotter conditions are expected later this week
9: gusty afternoon winds are pretty common for the Fraser Valley Canyon Um, we do have the resources to respond accordingly to that though we've got a couple extra helicopters coming in today and With the team being here we're able to request additional resources as we need them Uh, we are expecting to see a little bit more hotter drier conditions as we move into the week coming up here i think more mid-monday maybe more early tuesday Um, and so with that there will be some areas where it's likely that we'll see a little bit more fire activity predominantly up on the west flank which is at the very top of the slope there the terrain is just not a safe place to put in crews or equipment
1: Global News has learned a murder victim found dead in Burnaby last Thursday was the subject of a peace bond stemming from an alleged domestic incident in Dubai last year. 31-year-old Christopher Irwin was set to appear in Port Coquitlam Court this September related to the protection order issued in April of 2021 over an allegation in the United Arab Emirates city. Peace bonds are used where an individual appears likely to commit a criminal offense but there are no reasonable grounds to believe an offense has actually been committed. Irwin's body was discovered in a gravel lot near a vacant building in an industrial area of Burnaby Thursday in what is believed to be a targeted homicide. It was the third and final attempt on his life in just over seven months. Police believe Irwin had been the target of two previous shootings in Coquitlam, one of which saw an innocent father shot in front of his son last December. Richmond RCMP, are asking for your help tonight in finding a missing man in his 30s. 34-year-old Andrew Weber was last seen on July 14th, last Thursday, in the 6900 block of Alderbridge Way. Weber is 5'8", with a thin build, dark brown hair and a full beard. If you know where Andrew is or if you see him, call RCMP. The search continues for a missing 63-year-old man in Vancouver. Vernon Larson was last seen Monday in East Vancouver near Broadway and Alberta Street. He was previously living in Squamish, but he spoke with police officers in Mount Pleasant on the same day he was last seen. He is 5'6 with a slim build and was last seen wearing a brown baseball hat, a gray hoodie and red shorts. There is concern for Vernon's well-being. If you see him, call police and please stay with him until they arrive. Coming up, the billion-dollar Olympic bids
10: under the microscope. Are the federal and provincial governments coming to the table? Are they willing to provide indemnification? What is the financial commitment from those? The concerns
1: from city staff set to hit the desk of city councillors this week. Plus,
8: Domenica prossima, Dio Pacento
1: preparing for a visit and an apology from the pontiff what's expected from the pope on canadian soil next week that's coming up stay with us Welcome back. Well, last week, Global News reported Premier John Horgan has unanswered questions about the financial commitment for the proposed Olympic bid for the 2030 Games. Local Indigenous leaders are continuing to test the feasibility of hosting the Olympics. Now a staff report into the bid is set to go before Vancouver City Council later this week, one that cannot formally recommend Vancouver become a host city again. Kamal Karmali explains. <laughs>
5: The dream of recreating the Olympics in B.C. has gotten a rude awakening. Vancouver's 2030 Olympic bid is in trouble.
10: A little bit more of a reality check.
5: The enemy is time.
10: I'm not sure that's likely that we're going to see a 2030 bid happen.
5: In a report heading to Vancouver City Council, staff cites concerns around meeting extremely tight timelines, stressing a formal bid needs to be submitted to the International Olympic Committee in six months. In comparison, the 2010 bid had six years. The report says council needs a clear understanding of the proposed funding operating indemnification and governance models. None of those are currently in place. At the time of this report, staff is not in a position to provide a definitive recommendation.
10: Essentially, um, ask council to direct staff to stand down on any further work on an Olympic bid until there's more information available.
5: There are plenty of unanswered questions that have left the city in the dark. Housing, transportation. Uh,
3: climate benefit analysis, what are the ecological ramifications.
9: Most importantly, that it isn't funded. That there aren't commitments from the senior levels of government.
5: The provincial and federal government's financial commitment to the games is far from certain, with the overall price tag at roughly four billion dollars. We're not prepared to sign a blank check uh, without knowing what the full consequences are. No time whatsoever did any of the four host nations asked for a blank check for this. So uh, we need to sit down with the premier and his uh, ministers and also with the federal government to uh, iron these out. Vancouver's partners in the Indigenous-led bid are aiming at reaching a multi-party agreement by December. But some say it needs to happen much sooner. I'm thinking by the end of the summer. And if the clock runs out on the games. I think it would be a setback in reconciliation, to be honest with you. The new goal might be to put in a bid for the 2034 Olympics instead. Kamal Karamali, Global News.
1: An application to rezone part of Vancouver's Granville Entertainment District will also go before council on Tuesday of this week. Bonus Properties wants to rezone almost the entire east side of the 800 block of Granville Street between Robson and Smythe Streets for a 16-story mixed-use commercial building with office, retail and cultural uses. The city says the plan includes limited heritage retention of five buildings, including the Commodore Ballroom. A staff report says the proposed scale and form of development is not compliant with the city's heritage policies. The General Manager of Planning and Urban Design says the proposal significantly contravenes council-approved policy and the application, quote, disregards the policy framework and public trust, end quote. Staff is seeking council's direction prior to submitting the report to council for a public hearing. Coming up, endangered ecosystem under threat. A fragile habitat crucial to the survival of salmon bought by big business and set to be destroyed. Plus, the damning and disturbing new details on the disastrous police response to the Ubalde massacre. What went so tragically wrong? That's after the break. Stay with us.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: Welcome back. Pope Francis is asking for prayers as he prepares to begin his Canadian pilgrimage.
8: Domenica prossima, Dio pacento, Canadá.
1: The pontiff spoke at his impending trip to Canada during his address today. To the public in St. Peter's Square, he called it his penitential pilgrimage to apologize to indigenous groups for abuses inflicted by the Catholic Church. The Pope offered a historic apology for the abuses inflicted at church-run residential schools in early spring when he met with indigenous delegations at the Vatican. He is set to visit Canada from July 24th until the 29th with stops in Alberta, Quebec and Nunavut. Texas lawmakers have issued a sweeping indictment of the police actions or inaction during a massacre at an elementary school in May. A new report points to systemic failures among police leadership at the local, state and federal level. A warning now, the details and the footage in this next report are upsetting. With the same report finding that even with a flawless police response, most of the victims still may not have survived.
10: Surveillance video from inside Robb Elementary School shows officers waited 77 minutes before moving in to take out the shooter on May 24th. Now, a new report by the Texas House Committee investigating the shooting finds there were 376 officers on scene, local, state and federal, lacking clear leadership and basic communications, prioritizing their own safety over saving innocent lives. The three members of the investigating committee released their findings Sunday in a meeting with families of the victims, 19 students and two teachers. Their 77-page report found the shooter fired about 100 rounds in the first three minutes, so it's likely many victims died quickly. But the report suggests some could have survived if they had not had to wait so long for rescue.
5: They're a joke. They got no business wearing a badge.
10: Vincent Salazar is the grandfather of fourth grader Layla Salazar. He got his report but did not stay for the meeting, deeply suspicious of the investigation that has been marred by false statements from public officials.
3: Everybody's covering up for everybody else.
10: So far, much of the blame has been put on Uvalde School Police Chief Pete Arredondo for his role as incident commander. But investigators suggest there were plenty of better trained and better equipped officers who could have and should have stepped up. The report also found the school had a culture of complacency when it came to safeguarding those inside. Investigators say multiple witnesses testified employees often left doors unlocked or used rocks to prop them open.
3: And I do not want to say because of one thing or
8: one person here, it could not happen elsewhere. I think that's a disservice and not the respectful thing to do.
10: Regarding the 18-year-old shooter, investigators found he was a high school dropout, had been fired from two jobs, and was given the nickname school shooter by his friends. Elise Preston, CBS News.
1: Now to the Fraser Valley, where a habitat crucial to the survival of salmon in this province is now owned by a private business. Strawberry Island is typically where fish thrive, but now a new proposed development and dike could threaten that. Paul Johnson explains.
3: We're heading to the Fraser River's Strawberry Island, near Mission. As we pass over the island's flooded fields, ducks take off from the surface and below it's teeming with juvenile salmon.
8: So it's in a key location, it's very large, it's one of the most important pieces of habitat there is in in the heart of the Fraser.
3: The heart of the Fraser is the stretch between Abbotsford and Hope where the islands, sandbars and channels make one of the world's finest habitats for salmon. Veteran fisheries biologist Mike Pearson knew that when the spring flood inundated much of Strawberry Island, he'd find young salmon resting in the submerged vegetation. When he sampled it a few weeks back, he found sockeye and chinook here.
8: Chinook will, from all over the the entire Fraser Basin, um, use these habitats on the way to the
3: ocean. Pearson did that sampling because of this. If you look at the far end of Strawberry Island, you can see the piles of fill that were hauled in this spring. Pearson says the island's owner wants to convert it to a cranberry farm and build four kilometers of dikes. While that might be good for agriculture, he says it's devastating for wild salmon.
8: Diking it will completely isolate it or cut it off as fish habitat.
3: The island is owned by a BC numbered company. We couldn't reach anyone from that company, and we weren't able to hear from DFO in time for this report. They're the federal ministry with the power to stop dike building in salmon habitat. Pearson thinks they ought to use some of the 600000000 million they've been given to help save salmon and buy a portion of the island. If the diking project happens, he says it would amount to the single biggest hit to Fraser River salmon habitat in decades.
8: So it certainly makes no sense to be spending literally hundreds of millions of dollars on that and let one of the best pieces that still exists, that's still functional, to let that go.
3: In the heart of the Fraser, Paul Johnson, Global News.
1: Coming up, how about a little outdoor opera on this Sunday evening? How you can still enjoy some music with your sunset. We'll tell you where and when it's all happening. That's after the break.
3: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
1: Welcome back. Yvonne Shell joins us now. Yvonne, a bit of a mixed bag today, but a lot of hot and dry weather expected later this week.
2: Yeah, the heat is making a return. We just need to get past this evening and leading in towards tomorrow. And I've got your work week forecast in just a moment. Here's a look at what it looks like outside on our Walt centre hotel camera. We've got 17 degrees. We've got more cloud cover that's already starting to roll in across the region and a southwesterly wind at 11 kilometres per hour. We've spotted a few isolated showers. We can see that along the island. The area of concern that I'm seeing a few lightning strikes popping up up near Lytton and Merritt and we're also seeing for a few areas near Revelstoke and that's a big concern because we're on fire watch with the fire danger rating. We're seeing that across the uh, areas near Lytton with the fire but also the southeastern corners of the province with that heat making a return a heads up. We're at moderate to high and I anticipate that to ramp up over the next few days and we're also seeing the fire danger rating between moderate to high for the northern half as well. Smoky Skies Bulletin remains in effect. This will impact areas near Lytton, the Fraser Canyon, Lillooet, any areas over the next 24 and 40. 48 hours, so we'll also be keeping a close eye. Now, as we get in through this evening, we've got a wave of rain that's moving in along the north and central coast. Overnight tonight for the southern interior and leading in towards the morning hours. We're also looking at the slight risk of thunderstorms into the early morning hours, and then it just start to dissipate for the southern half of the province. The rain will be along the north and central coast. It pushes its way across the central interior. And most areas along the south coast of Metro Vancouver will see cloud cover in the morning hours, a chance of showers, and then we're back into some sunshine as we get into the afternoon. So So not a complete washout for tomorrow. Wanted to show you the temperature trend as we get in towards next week. It's likely Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, some of the warmest days away from the water. 28-7, even a few spots getting closer to 30 degrees. The heat will be on and we'll see that reflected in the interior as well with temperatures getting into the low 30s. Now the northern half of the province along the coast, it'll be periods of rain, a wet one. Inland is where we'll see that instability. Much of the central interior will still see a fair bit of cloud cover with the chance of showers. And the southern interior, if left in that risk, of thunderstorms it'll be overnight and for tomorrow morning should ease off as we get in through the day with some breaks in there Kamloops a warm one with highs up to 30 degrees along the south coast we do have that cloud cover this evening a chance of showers it'll be a great start to our Monday but we should see some breaks as we get in through the afternoon once we get past Monday Sarah there's the heat we'll see it on Wednesday Thursday with highs away from the water up to 28 and 29 Sarah holy cow next week is looking hot
1: thanks so much Yvonne Well, cloudy skies and a bit of rain did not stop music lovers from taking in a little outdoor opera today. And it's still going on families are invited to the inaugural opera in the park at deer lake park in burnaby this evening the city of burnaby actually invited to host the vancouver opera three years ago to stage the event in the park in the summer of 2020 but for obvious reasons of course the pandemic it was delayed until this year all afternoon music lovers enjoyed opera in an outdoor setting and it all culminates with a big concert tonight that runs until sunset. Oh,
6: that looks like so Tonight at 7.30, we have an hour and a half of opera at the movies. There's nothing better than having an audience that doesn't really know what opera is, but by us playing all the music that they have heard in The Godfather, in Moonstruck, in Pretty Women, in so many movies and pop culture, they will recognize our opera songs and arias and duets so we're thrilled with this opportunity
2: what a great idea that looks like so much fun yeah and a great venue as well right mm -hmm. by the water
8: i always wanted to be an opera singer but i can't sing so
2: there goes that dream in the
8: shower i think i'm okay (laughs) but i've not been recorded thank you
1: you can sing for us during commercial break How about because coming up (laughs) the post-pandemic return of pride comes to squamish Squamish Nation puts on a Pride Day party, the touching story of a two-spirited member's journey home. That's after the break. Hey,
3: B.C., it's time to show your pride. Join the fun and festivities as the Vancouver Pride Parade returns July 31st. Let's all celebrate together again in partnership with Global B.C.,
1: a long-awaited and triumphant show of pride has returned to Squamish Nation. Following a pause of the nation's Pride Parade because of the pandemic, the nation was once again able to celebrate its two-spirit people and their contributions to their culture. Kristen Robinson reports.
9: After an almost three-year pandemic pause, the Squamish Nation's Pride Parade is back. In its fifth year, the small but mighty celebration has seen its floats increase from just two to more than a dozen.
10: And don't forget your picture with in trouble.
9: While there's still a long way to go, Simple Yon says this is acceptance.
10: As a 61-year-old uh, two-spirited man in my community, I, I, I now have the courage and the dignity to walk through my community. Into our longhouses, into our Shaker churches, into our community buildings, with my head held high.
9: As a child, the tug of war was real for Simple Yawn.
10: Grown up two-spirit, it wasn't the safest place for me.
9: Simple Yawn navigated to the city as a teen to get involved in the LGBTQ2S+ scene in Vancouver. Today, the Squamish Nation two-spirited member says youth are coming out and being recognized for their gifts and strengths.
6: It's really empowering. It's very honoring to have the community honor people like us.
9: When 20-year-old Joe Natrell came out a few years ago, the community held a ceremony for two spirited people.
6: Definitely a confident booster and it, people accept you so you don't have, to have the fear of being rejected or like hated on by society. It also kind of helped me find myself in a way.
10: <laughs> The traumas and trials and tribulations that I, I-, I experienced, our youth may not have to experience that.
9: Simple Yon now working
10: to get the two spirited
9: population included in their history.
10: I'm here to let everyone know that as, as a two spirit man, I'm not going anywhere. I'm rewriting that history.
9: Kristen Robinson, Global News.
1: Coming up, Barry is back with Sports Plus Crow Crazy. If instead of going, the crows are digging up my lawn again, you can think like, hmm, why are they doing that? (laughs) (laughs) Love them or hate them? Meet the photographer looking to capture the most candid side of them. That's coming up. Stay with us.
3: Global BC presents the 30th annual Honda Celebration of Light. Join us this summer to explore the festival, save your spot, then see the skies come alive. Honda Celebration of Light, July 23rd, 27th, and 30th in partnership with Global BC.
6: Celebrate pride and recovery in New West. Head to New West Pride on August 13th and be sure to catch the Untoxicated Drag Show. See local
8: and international drag superstars as they raise awareness and end stigma of addiction recovery. CleanSoberAndProud.com for info. Rock and River Festival returns to Merritt, BC for another legendary four days of music, friends, and good times by the river. Don't miss the great festival with headliners including Tim McGraw and Darius Rucker. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. If you
3: want to know, it's on the house. If you want to show, it's on the house. If you want to go, it's on the The Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now.
1: Welcome back. Barry DeLay is back. Mm-hmm. You did not sing opera during the commercial break. I did not. No. I think you're going to sing your sports cast. No, I'm actually.
8: just warming up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, we got, uh, you know, we're gonna, we thought for sure yesterday this time it'd be uh, golf, would be mm-hmm. starting, but mm-hmm. a couple of BC athletes stealing Big the show. Big win for
1: th- some homegrown
8: athletes. And historic, uh, historic yep. performances. So we're going to start with that. Thanks so much, right. uh, Richmond BC's Cameron Rogers had an historic day at the World Track and Field Championships in Eugene, Oregon. Rogers became the first Canadian woman ever to win a medal in a field event at the world's she's only 23 she's a star athlete at the university of california berkeley so you get the feeling this is just the start of great things for her in a sport where the top athletes don't hit their peak until their 30s rogers just won her third straight uh, ncaa title in this stadium a couple of weeks ago so she's got some good vibes in oregon this is her third of five throws unleashes a fantastic throw Speed and power, 75.52 meters. Still two meters short of her personal best set this year, but it was plenty enough to get her on the podium. A special day for Cameron, whose mom, Sherry, made the trip. First ever Canadian woman to win a medal in a field event at the World Track and Field Championships. Congrats to her. And Black Creek BC's Cam Levins delivered the run of his life in the men's marathon in a Canadian record time of two hours, seven minutes, and ten seconds. He was with the lead pack with about 7Ks to go. He shattered his own personal best record by two minutes. Just missed out on the podium, however. Fourth place finish at the Worlds, the highest ever by a Canadian marathoner. So congrats to Cam Levins. While there was no storybook ending at the 150th Open Championship for Rory McIlroy, St. Andrews in the old course appeared to be the perfect setting for Rory to win his first major since 2014. McIlroy began the day with a four-shot lead along with Victor Hovland, but the two Camerons, Cam Smith and Cam Young, playing in the group in front of them... Put on a show. Both reeled in McElroy with sensational final rounds. And in the end, the Aussie ruled as Cameron Smith won his first major title. Just a majestic setting at St. Andrews. One of the most iconic golf scenes on the planet. Corey Connors, the only Canadian to make the cut. Solid final round for Connors. A 5-under 67. Finished at 8-under. Tied for 28th. Moved up 20 spots today. McElroy still held the lead starting the back nine. Short to par 4 10th. From 126 feet, he's got the putter out. That's for Eagle. Fantastic lag putt. Led to his second and last birdie of the day. He two-putted every green on the day, which won't often get you a major win. Cam Smith, on the other hand, was on fire with his putter. At the 12th, his third straight birdie to get within one of McElroy. He also birdied the 13th to get into a tie for the lead. And then on 14, Smith makes it five straight birdies His feel for the greens today was spot on, lags the eagle putt to within tap-in range for the birdie, climbs past Rory, gets to 19 under par. Now at the 17th, Smith in trouble for the first time. This is for par. But how about this? Never a doubt. So clutch. He had six one-putts on the back nine alone. Retains the one-shot lead. 17th hole. Rory staring down a birdie. Bottom of the screen. While at 18, Cam Smith had a lengthy eagle look. Rory goes first. Got to make it, but he could not. 36 putts. Smith had just 29. That was the obvious difference between the two. Smith meal up while on 18. Pretty much seals the deal with another fantastic shot under immense pressure. Perfect read, perfect weight. Had that left for Birdie to go to 20 under. Meanwhile, the other Cam, the American Cam Young, finishes his impressive run after he drove the green on the par 4 18th knocks it in for eagle seven under 65 a shot back of smith at 19 under he's actually briefly tied with smith for the lead after he made that eagle but uh, moments later smith taps in for the shirt a uh, short birdie putt to post minus 20 a record setting eight under 64 lowest score ever by a player in the final round to win the open championship rory had one last chance needs to chip in for eagle on 18 to force a playoff but that did not happen It's A crushing defeat for McElroy, who was solid today, but uh, Cam Smith just beat him. Rory shoots 2-under 70 to finish third at 18-under. Cameron Smith wins the 150th Open Championship. He's the champion golfer of the year. His first major to go along with the Players' Championship he won earlier this year. I had a lot of support out there, um, especially the Aussie guys. Uh, You guys really kept me going out there. Seem, seemed like there was a lot. Uh, a lot of you guys out there um, kept me plugging away, and uh, this one's for us. Thanks, guys. All right, baseball today. Mariners looking for a 14th straight win in Texas, taking on the Rangers. And the M's did it. Ty France, who was earlier in the day named as an All-Star replacement for the Angels, Mike Trout showed that was a worthy move because he smacks a two-run homer to left. Seattle wins six to two. 14 straight wins, 22 of their last 25. They're 51-42 and and in the second AL wildcard spot. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays looking for a third straight win against the Royals. Kansas City made them work for it. It was tied 2-2 in the eighth. All-star catcher Alejandro Kirk will belt a two-run shot to left. Toronto up front, 4-2. Now, Jordan Romano is also named as an all-star replacement today, making it six Jays going to Dodger Stadium for Tuesday's game. Romano coming in for the save, and he will get the strikeout for his 20th save of the season. Jays win it 4-2 for their 50th victory of the year, and they are in the final wildcard spot in the AL as they head to the all-star break. The Whitecaps have another tough road test in Portland, a 7.30 start time tonight. uh, 20-year-old Isaac Bomer will get the start in goal. He was outstanding in relief of the injured Cody Cropper earlier this week in Cincinnati. Bomer grew up in Okanagan Falls, and this will be his first MLS start. What a place to do it in Portland. One of the great atmospheres in MLS and taking on a Timbers team that did beat the Vancouver Whitecaps 3-2 earlier this year at B.C. Place.
3: It's not because they beat us that I circle on the calendar. I circle on the calendar because it's a derby and it's an extra motivation for the fans uh, and uh, for the environment here. And also, at the moment, they are one point ahead of us. So if we go there, we win. We're going to go up, so we'll do everything do.
8: Great stadium, unbelievable fans, so good atmosphere. And uh, last day was an, an unbelievable game. So I, I wouldn't mind if we have the same uh, drama there and get out with three points. The Lions are back at practice after their second bye week of the season. They're getting ready for a a cat fight against Hamilton Thursday at B.C. Place. Coming off that loss to Winnipeg was a reminder it's not so easy winning in this league.
0: It was a great bye week, you know. Um, Definitely did some reflecting on myself as a player and ways to play better, you know. Um, And everybody did that. So and we got together and did a group reflection, and now we're back to hit the ground, running.
8: It's good to go back and look at it, everything that's gone on so far and look at, you know, you want to highlight the things we do well and limit the stuff that hasn't gone as well and, um, you know, go from there. Canadian basketball from Langley, Fraser Valley Bandits, and Ottawa Skip Jacks, Abbotsford's own Merrick Klassen will nail the three-pointer. He had seven points, ten assists on the day. And Surrey big man James Karnick was a beast. This is the game-winning basket. Two of his 23 as the local boys pitch in to help the Bandits snap a three-game losing streak. 95-88 the final. Bandits improved to 10-7. They're third in the Seabell standings. And they clinch a playoff spot. Surrey's Arshdeep Baines was an offensive star in the Western Hockey League this past season. Now we're about to find out if he can produce as a member of the Canucks organization. Baines, who the Canucks signed as an undrafted free agent last March, got his first taste of pro-life this week at Canucks Development Camp.
6: Now the Rebels come away. It's a shorthand. It's a breakaway now. Arshdeep Baines in on net. Gets a shot. Score.
8: Arshdeep Baines did a lot of this in his final season of junior eligibility. As a 20-year-old, Baines scored 43 goals and 112 points to not only lead the Red Deer Rebels, but the entire Western Hockey League in scoring. It's what led to the Canucks signing the Surrey product to an entry-level contract this past March. And this past week, Baines got his first taste of pro hockey at the Canucks development camp. The trick is to take all of his skills and elevate them so he can compete and thrive with the pros. And You don't want to just become a different player when you move on to the next level and think that you
5: lose all your confidence and you have to dump pucks in and grind it up if you're a skill guy. But I think just knowing what you're good at, trying to become the best at it as you can, practice at it, and hopefully that you can do that at the next level is, is a big part of who you are.
4: He can make plays with the puck that not a lot uh, can, and again, it's just going to be the adjustment to the to the pace, uh, to the size and strength, and, and I think his challenge would be you know, making sure he uses that skill set in the middle of the ice and not on
8: the perimeter, and that's something we're going to work with him and adjust with him. Baines is not only a local kid, but a South Asian local kid, which he feels comes with responsibility. It's something that uh, kind of pushes me every night, that there are people out there that look up
5: to me and they, they want to see the best for me, and it's... It's a special feeling, honestly. There's a the Culture is a special part and a special part of the city and this country. It's something that uh, kind of brings us all together. So if I get that opportunity to maybe run uh, that jersey one day and show that anybody else can do it, it's, it's more than just my race or anybody else's race. It's that anybody can do it.
8: But to do all this in his hometown, playing for the team he cheered for as a kid, hey, he's pretty thankful for the opportunity in front of him.
5: I've been away from home the last couple of years playing junior. It's been good coming home, having a lot of support, and uh, I'm pretty excited, I think. This is a big, big journey ahead of me,
8: and I'm excited
1: to take it on. Yeah, no kidding. I'm sure not the last we have seen of Arsh Deep. Yeah, I
8: hope so. He mm-hmm. likes to call himself Arsh for short.
1: So okay, we we'll following his career, okay, Arsh. We'll, I know we'll we'll you be will be,
8: Arsh. That's right. Very impressive young man. Hopefully, he does well.
1: Very impressive. Mm-hmm. A great sports cast, actually. A lot of a local lot of athletes stuff there. Today. It was
8: a very busy Sunday. Mm-hmm. I like that.
1: Okay, speaking of busy, crows have been busy <laughs> oh, around Metro Vancouver lately. That's What's your thought on win. crows? because a photographer you're about to meet wants us to have some compassion for them. Jada Rand has her story after the break. Stay with us.
6: I think there are still questions that need to be answered here. This was a high-risk, high-reward strategy.
0: So we wanted to set the record straight.
3: But at the end of the day, we talk, and where we talk is right here at CKNW. CKNW. Join Global News July 21st to 24th for daily coverage of the 2022 B.C. Summer Games from Prince George. Spirit lives here. Global B.C. is proud to partner with the B.C. Summer Games.
1: Welcome back. We're still talking about crows during the commercial break. Remember
2: faces? Oh, yes.
8: They're nasty.
1: They Uh, are nasty. They're
2: aggressive. Mm -hmm. They're not fun. (laughs)
1: Well, somebody else they were about to meet will beg to differ. Crows are polarizing birds, as we know, with most of them only, most of us rather, only taking notice of them during their breeding season, which is right now, and often because they are a noisy nuisance. But one Vancouver photographer has been trying to change that mindset by presenting the birds in a different light. Jay Durant now with her story on This Is BC.
6: It was the loud sound coming from overhead that first drew June Hunter's attention to crows. What are they doing? And that curiosity, once it's peaked. (laughs) That was 15 years ago. And it's when she started a crow craze phase that's never really ended. Try to think like, what would I like now? Like in my insane house full of crow things, what what else would I like? (sighs) Hunter's crow photography expeditions have turned into a steady business. She sells calendars and prints, purses and pillows. And now she's a published author with City Crow Stories. They're looking at each other there like, oh my God, what have we gotten into? (laughs) (laughs) These birds have found their place in local folklore from the flyovers to Burnaby Still Creek to the aerial attacks during nesting season. And, of course, the exploits of Canuck the Crow a few years back. Everything from impromptu transit trips to interfering in official police business. Canuck was probably a lot more bold than your average crow. Not everyone's a fan, though. Even Hunter can't sway some of the anti-Crow establishment. And there are some that are holdouts. I have to admit, I have not converted every friend. June's been able to capture some candid moments. Cirque du Soleil, bad hair day, direct deposit. She's even named some of the neighborhood crows. Naturally, the one who follows her on walks is called Mr. Walker. (coughs) Taking interest in their actions is what Hunter calls crow therapy. If instead of going, the crows are digging up my lawn again, you can think like, hmm, why are they doing that? (laughs) Curiosity that's led to a whole line of crow merchandise, with big plans to start putting her feathered friends on canvas. Crows and their place in the world. Captured in paintings. That's my. I mean, I, know if the, I don't know if anybody wants that, but that's what I want to do. Jay Durant, Global News.
1: If you know somebody who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people just need to know about, email your ideas to this is BC at globalnews.ca. Oh, what a great story! <laughs> interesting gift ideas speaking yes yeah. it's all
2: fun and games until you get dive bombed by exactly. one exactly then it changes then <laughs> speaking it changes. of the skies Yvonne a quick look at weather before we go tonight a bit gray out there we've got a few showers in the mix that'll take us in towards the morning hours for tomorrow but then it actually eases off I'm looking at a partly cloudy sky through the afternoon pleasant tomorrow up to 21 degrees and then it heats up so a heads up Tuesday Wednesday onwards we'll start to see the heat away from the water a few spots getting closer to 30 degrees Okay,
1: get your sunscreen ready, and Barry, we'll see you later tonight with
2: highlights from the Whitecaps
8: game. Mm -hmm, Something to crow about, perhaps.
1: (laughs) Can't wait. Thanks for being with us. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next weekend.